Welcome to the Dream Whiny Podcast, everyone. This is Georgie. Hello. Diana. And this the topic today is Remain Nameless by Hey Jude 19. It is our absolute favorite Dream Whiny story. It took us very many episodes to get here. And the reason is that I am very, very nervous about it. Probably that's why. And uh, because I find that this needs to be a very special episode with very, very special things. And it needs to be uh, the best of the episodes, um, which of course puts a lot of pressure. And maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. Enjoy. It's okay. We've only spoken about this book ad nauseum. (laughs) I know just to make clear to everyone there are some parts of the book that I read more than 10 times and I know this says a lot about my obsessive um, behavior and nature but I think it says a lot a lot a lot about this book I think it's a work of art Mm -hmm. Um, and I also think actually no I'm sure that this has become my favorite book of all time thank you very much and you know this is not a psychological podcast so we're not going to go into why you felt a need to read <laughs> this is a dry podcast so we're actually we're encouraging that here so it's a good thing I it's know thing, I need years of therapy anyway <laughs> <laughs> I need to go to Healer Browning myself. By the way, everyone, if you haven't read the book, Healer Browning is, uh, is um, uh, Draco's um, healer or therapist, psychologist, yeah. whatever you want to call him. He's a great character, like uh, every other character in this book. So, Georgie, would you like to tell us a little bit uh, where everything starts in this book? Yeah. So I wanted to read the little summary that she has in the beginning because I think it's so beautiful. And I think mm. it describes a little bit about not the podcast, the the um, summary in itself, but it's a nice introduction. So it says, oh, and we love Hey Jude 19, by the way. Oh. Obsessed with her. Anyway, <laughs> so it says, how did it feel? It felt like he was barely holding it together. And guys, he really is barely holding it together. <laughs> so just so you know, she of all people should shun him or yell at him, curse him, spit at him take out her wand and blast him off the face of the earth. It was crushing guilt and relief and confusion all at once when he looked at Hermione Granger. In case uh, you guys didn't know, (laughs) Draco and Hermione Pairing felt the need to say it. (laughs) You guys haven't listened to any of the other episodes and you haven't clued on the name of the podcast (laughs) and what we talk about all the time. (laughs) <laughs> thank you for the clarification Georgie it helped me a lot yeah. as well I have a question do you think that the reason why we can't read anything but Germani is because we started reading only Germani and after reading hundreds of stories just about the two of them we can't see them with anyone else ah uh, you mean other pairings yeah like I just I feel like we've read hundreds of books about just the two of them so to me I have seen them fall in love and suffer and work and whatever to get together so I'm like in my mind they are the ultimate couple like I put them above my own parents I put them above like like so anyway Georgie I have some answers for you if you would like um so first of all there is only one other pairing that I could agree to oh let's see go ahead Uh, although I 
I, I think I only read one um, one fanfic about it, and that's um, Hermione with one of the twins. I don't know why. I don't know why, but yeah. Um, however, everything else, any other pairing between them and other people, yeah, I do. I it doesn't attract me at all. However, I do feel that Draco and Hermione, the Draco and Hermione pairing, has such great material to work with so she's um Gryffindor his he is um Slytherin pure blood and um muggle-born they both have scars they have that episode in his house where she's tortured they have this bullying background and horrible history between the two of them uh they I said enemies to lovers indeed. Mm -hmm. Then uh, another thing that is very good or we're very well exploited in the books and all the, you know, the Dreaminy um, fan fictions is the fact that they do everything to save their parents. So he does mm -hmm. a lot to save his mom. He would even almost kill Dumbledore to save her. And she has obliviated her parents to save them. So there are so, so, so many um, things that that come up between the two of them and I don't think that other character have such so much uh, material to work with and of course I like the idea that she is um she's amazing almost mm -hmm. perfect you know in a lot of the fanfics and he's the one that has to redeem himself and I think that the Dreamini stories that I love the most is where his redemption arc is very well described and how you see how slowly step by step he actually changes and falls in love with her and gets to or reaches that this point where he can't actually live without her so I think there's a lot of great Dreamini stories out there where he his love is really infinite kind of yeah, and yeah. and but but the way um hey jude 19 describes it in remain nameless it's really it i think is. beyond anything that i've ever written so actually i if i could uh give kudos to every single paragraph oh yeah book, i would and i don't know if you know but in um in remain in um ao3 if you have not downloaded i don't know georgie you, you read it differently than i do i just read it in the browser on my phone uh -huh. and i think i i gave around 50 kudos just because i read it so many times and then the browser forgets that it's me <laughs> <laughs> like 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 and uh or kudos 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 and um sometimes i mean a lot of the times it said um you already left kudos here i'm like Fuck. <laughs> okay I, i'll wait a little bit until you forget it's me <laughs> you know what I, I yeah i'm logged in so it records my kudos then it remembers it it doesn't matter when i read i read remain nameless the first and second time on the browser and then i downloaded the book because i'm like this is insane and every time i read the chapters like i hit kudos every time and it told me every time i left yeah. it but i was like i just it makes me feel better because i really appreciate every chapter yes yes and talking about uh, liking every paragraph um just so our listeners know before before recording this podcast I went the book again and now at least I had a, an excuse for reading it again yes, 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 yes. <laughs> the only one time after I read it the first time I actually had a purpose with reading uh, uh remain nameless and I now I have 28 word pages uh, or pages in word of uh, quotes 
that I would like to read. And Georgie told me that this is not possible in a podcast. Yeah, I was very, very upset. Mm-hmm. So I tried to, to do a selection. But anyway, the way yes. uh, she writes, it's amazing. It's amazing how I, I could, you know, quote the whole book. Not to mention yeah. that I know a lot of things by heart. But yeah, instead of, you know, maybe remembering other things that are slightly more important helpful. in your life like who cares about login passwords and pins and stuff like no. that but remain nameless all the time yeah exactly <laughs> okay Georgie okay, you haven't yeah. we haven't even finished yes. reading the summary yes yes, you- yes let's focus let's focus so what what Diana said about why we love them so much I think it's a a, a summary of our conversations about remain nameless Um, and Hermione in general for the last year. So we're going to go back to the summary. So it says, the monotony of Draco's daily routine had become both a lifeline and a noose. But this new habit of grabbing coffee with Hermione Granger is quickly becoming a reason to get out of bed and is unfortunately forcing him to reevaluate his inconsequential existence. Hermione is living her life in fragments, separate pieces scattered about, and she can't find a way to step back and let the full picture form. Why are morning meetings with Draco Malfoy the only thing that makes sense anymore? So before we get started, uh, I did want to mention that is 312,000 words. So it's it's a pretty lengthy one. It has 51 chapters and it is completed. So definitely start reading it. So that was a little bit of a summary, but basically um, Draco it goes to this muggle cafe as part of his treatment with Healer Browning. Um, and he goes there every morning um, because they have really good coffee. And on top of that, blueberry scones, which are a theme in, within the story. Um, and it, it involves one of our moments that we're most obsessed with. We will return to that. Um, and he just goes there every morning. And um, the story starts with him waking up from yet another nightmare. And for whatever reason, that day, he doesn't go at his regular time. He goes about an hour earlier because he just can't sleep. He's plagued with nightmares and everything else. And while he's at his cafe and he sits down and everything else, he sees Hermione Granger walk in and well, she doesn't pay attention to him. She actually doesn't even notice he's there, which obviously- Sorry, sorry, it's not Hermione Granger. It's Hermione fucking Granger. (laughs) Yes, yes, you are correct. Hermione fucking Granger. And he is, I think at first he's like, oh my God, I gotta hide from her. And then he's like, why the fuck is she not paying attention to me? Like he takes it as such a personal thing. Like how dare she not say hello to me or whatever. And we have, I, ha- I want to say one thing. Um, so the book is written, um, I think from a third party perspective, like we give Draco's perspective a lot. Um, and then kind of what happens like a third party narrator, but we get his thoughts and what he's thinking at all time. And it is honestly the funniest Draco because he is so, <laughs> I just don't even know how to describe him. He's, He's funny so and self-deprecating. So, for example, yes. when when Hermione comes in, he says, um, or he, not he says, but in his mind, he said a cold, mm-hmm. sickening panic cursed through him as Hermione Granger strode confidently in the coffee um, at, to the coffee counter to place an order. Um, and he says, you know, like she, he's asking himself, what what was she doing at the coffee shop? Obviously getting coffee, moron, is subconscious <laughs> job. So, so the book is full of these things. So it's it's very, very funny. It is very and, funny. Um, yeah, this is one of the reasons why I like it very much. So he's very, very yeah. self-deprecating in his um, um, in, inner monologue. He is. And, oh, um, and to that point... Talking- Oh, yeah. So, Georgie, I told you we need to have a structure, and we don't have a structure, so it's fine. I it's need fine. To, 
interjected. All good. So, <laughs> so it's, All good. Uh, this book is around 70% Draco's point of view. Yeah. I would say 25 of Hermione's point of view. And then we have um, three chapters. One is Ginny's point of view. One is not chapters, uh, parts of chapters. Uh, Harry's point of view, when he finds out that uh, the two of them are together, that's uh, Harry's point of view. Then when Ron comes to spy on them after he, he finds out that they're together, yeah. and that's a very, very funny one. And Ginny, uh, when she actually realizes from different sources that that uh, Draco has indeed changed and that's I think where she, where she actually starts to um or kind of um to encourage Hermione to do something yes. about it so Ginny does play an important role I, I find she does she does yeah and she is she's Hermione's best friend in this one and like yes Ron and Harry one, but and she's the only one who for the longest time knows that there's something that, that actually they started meeting at the cafe and so on. So, um, okay, and I think maybe this is the right uh, time to mention this. Uh, the book happens, starts nine years after the Battle of Hogwarts. and January goes, 2007. That January 2007. And goes, and um, it's it goes over a period of two, uh, three and a half years. Yeah. So everything is described so realistically, so um, everything makes sense. So basically, it takes a long time, and I'm not going to get spoilers, but a long time until they actually get together. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens after she comes to the cafe, he, <laughs> poor Draco, <laughs> gets a little bit obsessed and comes every day mm-hmm. earlier and mm-hmm. and watches her as she gets coffee and tells her, you know, with his mind, come Granger, <laughs> look at me, <laughs> come over yeah. here and tell me what a proud I am or whatever he said. As I told you, yeah. I can vote from this book. <laughs> uh, I can write a word paper. Per word. <laughs> you book. guys can't see, you guys can't see the pain in Gianna's eyes as she, she says. <laughs> no, this is not normal actually. <clears throat> Um, so, you know, you know why it's not normal, Georgie, because, you know, there are these fans that faint at concerts and people who have, you know, all these, I don't know, they become obsessed with, with, I don't know, Marvel and stuff like that. And I, I used to not understand that, but now I do. You You know what it is? I think it's easier because this is like, I think the first book that well, first of all, we should say you really pre Germani did not read fan fiction. Uh, no, you didn't no. read actually fiction at all. No, because I no. thought that fiction is a waste of time, and I and look at you now time. thriving. Oh God, Georgie, I'm, I'm making up for all those no. years. <laughs> no, but you know what it is? It's like I have more years because I'm used to reading stuff like this, and I'm used to getting in in and out of things. Because I think it's normal to get into something and then get out of it, and then maybe later come back. So. I'm okay with it. Like I'm not panicking all the time about how obsessed I am with Hermione, whereas Diana has like a little bit of a conscience moment where she's like, yeah. is this normal? And I'm like, well, I mean, define normal. Listen, people are not normal. Um, I feel about Remain Nameless the same way I feel about Pride and Prejudice. I have read that oh, book God. so many times. And I this can't is the highest explain. praise, everyone. So this has been yeah. Georgie's favorite book for a very, very, very long time. And the fact that Georgie got to read it twice um or are actually three well, I think we're actually I think so I don't really so 
we read differently, but I read a book and if I really like it, I may read it a second time. Maybe, maybe. Um, I almost never read books a third time um, or fourth or fifth or whatever, except for uh, Pride and Prejudice. And then I discovered Remain Nameless. And the moment I finished it, I said to Diana, I want to read it again, but I'm not going to because I feel like if I start reading it again and right after I finished it, it's not healthy. And I'm going to spiral into a bit of despair. So I took a little bit of a break for a couple of months and then I reread it a second time. And then I listened to it a third time. And then I read it a fourth time when we were doing, getting ready for this episode, just to remember. So I just think it's, you know what it is? It's like, I look at, at these writers and I'm just like, how, like they should be published. And I think mm-hmm. we've talked about Remain Nameless, that if you were to take out the uh, Harry and uh, Hermione and Harry and Draco and the Harry Potter world out of it and just rewrite it originally, I think it would be a bestseller. Like it's such a good contemporary romance genre. Um, and I think they could definitely make money off. Like she could sell it and I think people would buy it. Like that's how good it is. You, you, that was very, very um, coherent, what you just said and eloquent. Oh, I'm very, I'm very impressed. <laughs> Um, yeah, so unlike other fanfics about uh, Dreamy, it happens years after um, after the Battle of Hogwarts, so they are grown ups. Yeah, and this is a grown up um, story, a grown up yeah. romance, um, because I think when they're younger, they can be childish. They have I don't know miscommunication issues and stuff yeah. like that, and I hate miscommunication. So if there's a fanfic with miscommunication, I am. I'm not reading yeah. it. Whereas yeah. here, they talk about things. They have mm-hmm. mature discussions about their past lovers, about mm-hmm. what happened during the war. And Draco explains from his perspective um, what has happened and why he acted mm-hmm. the way he did. He still feels very, very guilty about it, but he's very open about it. Mm-hmm. And Hermione, what I absolutely love about this Hermione is that she believes in him very, very much. And she tells him things like, I think you have a lot to offer as a partner. Um, uh, or I quote, oh, I don't tell you enough. You're a good man, Draco. So yeah. with her and with her help and with her faith in him, he starts believing in himself again. Because when the book starts, he thinks very, very low of him. He's yeah. barely surviving. He just, barely, yeah. again, quote, keeps out of trouble. He doesn't, um, he, he has a job as a Quidditch scout and he explains very well why he has this job because in this step, because nobody would hire him, but in this Quidditch um, world, yeah. he could just get this job without necessarily needing to, um, he, he's just good at what he does. So it doesn't really yeah. matter that he's a ex Death Eater, that he's a Malfoy, that whatever. Um, so his mom is away. Um, she just runs away from the reality of uh, what they've done and how they're seen in England. So she just goes to the relatives. And I think a, a very important point is the fact that um, Uh, when the book starts, um, Lucius is already dead. So he died in, in Azkaban, which means that he's the head of the house. And I think why, why I mentioned this is because in other fanfics, it's very important uh, that this, the fact that, he, that Lucius still has power over him, whereas in yeah. this case, he doesn't. So it, no matter what it, Draco chooses, it's yeah, his choice. Yeah. Yep. And if you remember, I remember this from speaking of Lucius and everything else. If you remember in beginning and end, mm-hmm. 
Um, because yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. So wait and hope is like first, but then you go to beginning and end, and then you find out how they. And that one is written by might be writing. Um, it's wait and hope and beginning and end. and in beginning and end when they break up. Um, it's fine, everyone. They end up together. Like don't worry about it. It's happy ending. Um, she yeah. She says to him, "You are my first choice, but for you, Lucius Malfoy is your first choice, and I'm your second. Because she, like Draco, so paralyzed of getting his father to accept him and love him and everything else. Whereas in this one, that element is kind of taken out of it. But mm-hmm. um, so it kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. Whereas in a lot of fix where Lucius is around, Draco tries very hard to still please his pa- father and have his father love him and everything else. Where in this one, unfortunately, you know, his father's dead and he has so many unresolved issues with that. Um, um they do yes however the, the beautiful thing is that they have a chat about that as well and they, they do. They do. tells him I mean Draco says I'm so mad sometimes that he's dead and he can't see what yeah. his actions did on or how they influenced his um, sons and um, his wife's life but um but Hermione somehow gives him permission to still love him, to still miss him, and tells him that that that's fine. So and then, again, she's a very reassuring presence, and I love that about this yeah. Hermione. And he he does get his closure because Peeler Browning tells him at the end. Um, well, I don't want to say it now because we're in the beginning, but like we do get something that Draco does to kind of um, find closure with his father a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, yeah. and the way that he can, considering his father's dead, but. Um, so what I wanted to mention, like in the beginning, I know we joke that he's a mess and whatever, but really in the beginning, I mean, he is honestly, he is like suicidal. Like he, like, like Diana said, he has the, the Quidditch, uh, scout job, honestly, just cause it gives him something to do. Like he doesn't need the money and anything else. But what he found out was that, um, you know, if he had nothing to do, it was harder for him to find a purpose to his life and everything else. And, and you find out a little bit that he's clean now, he's sober now, but he really had a, a, a potion issue in the past. And I think the reason why he also has the job is because when he had the potion problem, um, he kind of did that all day. So the Quidditch job kind of just gives him something to do in a structure. And, and he believes that as long as he keeps to this structure of like, he wakes up, he has his breakfast, goes to the cafe, goes to work, comes back, has nightmares, does it again. Like to him, it's almost like it's the only way he can cope with his life. And um, wearing the same things every, I mean, yeah, like, he has this suit, like, yeah, he's very, it's almost like, um, I mean, I'm sure that it's a psychological way to kind of handle things, right? Like you have things in your life that you can't control. So you control the things you can. So you wear yes. the same thing. Yeah. Very, right? well so said, like, very well said. And his mantra at the beginning is I am in control of this. Control of this. So and, that's something that he agreed upon with, um, <clears throat> with, or if Peter Browning suggested that he has a mantra. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm in control of this, I'm in control of this. And a beautiful, beautiful thing is that halfway through the book, he actually changes his mantra to something yes. that is not about control. We're not yes. going to say what it is, but again, at, a, at the right moment where things, you know, there's a lot more things that happen for him that he cannot control, especially when it comes to his relationship with Hermione, yeah. uh, then, then, um, Healer Browning convinces him to to change his mantra to something absolutely beautiful and in line with the yoga philosophy. Thank you very much. Yay! 
and and we will say what it is, but just not right now when we get to that part. But anyway, so it it to go back to the. By the way, everyone, we've really not even touched on the plot. So let's go. Let's go back to the plot. Let's go back to chapter one. Can I, can I just say something else yeah. before we actually start with the spoiler? Uh-huh. So what I think um, she does amazing. So there's nothing exaggerated in this book. No. Well, okay, okay. Draco is very, very intense in his feeling and in self-deprecation and so on. But I can totally understand that because I, yeah. I can be like that as well. Um, but, but there's no exaggerations. There's so many. I think there's other Dreamini that we do like very much, but mm-hmm. in some of them, some characters really, really are really exaggerated, um, and some of them, Ron is really exaggerated, yeah. or um, his parents, With- or whatever, yeah. or the plot. You know, when yeah. they actually. So everything here is very realistic and very, you know, has a lot of common sense. I think that that's what and- describes this book. Yeah. And I think it's something that could happen in real life, right? Like their Mm -hmm. relationship. That's why I said, I think it would work so well as, do you remember when we were, we were reading something and you were like, oh, Haran is so exaggerated in this. And I was, I said to you, you have to suspend belief. And I think that's what a lot of them are. Like there are some of them, they're so good. They're well-written. The story is fantastic, but some things happen where you're like, okay, well, I just have to roll with this. Like I have to believe that this is how this character is. I don't think this character would do that, but in order for the story to work, we have to believe that Ron is the worst on the planet. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, like you said, they're very realistic. They make mistakes. Um, I think that they have self-doubt and they worry about what their friends would think or um, are they going to hurt the other person? And I think it's something that us human beings do that. Like, yeah, he's very self-deprecating or whatever, but which one of us doesn't have severe self-doubt and tries to mask it yeah. with humor. I mean, we all do. Mm-hmm. So it, it is very believable. I think that's maybe that's why it works so well for us and why it's mm-hmm. our favorite. Because mm-hmm. It's just so much more mature and grown up. And not that you can't, I mean, listen, when they go through the the war and everything else in eighth year and whatever, they're still children. So sometimes we're like, okay, we need to remember they're like 19. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and 19 would we have done better? But here they're like almost 30. And I think in a way they act that way. They act as if, okay, we're a little bit more grown up, removed from the situation and everything else. Yeah, no, that's exactly. And another thing that I wanted to say is that I find that in Dream Mining stories and in Harry Potter stories, you can't say Christ or Jesus or whatever, no matter what you believe in. So in, in these stories, you need to say good Godric or Merlin, Merlin. Whatever, right yeah. um, and I think she does that very well um, in this book and another thing the thing with uh, the fact that they call each other Granger and Malfoy I think that is also very important and a very important characteristic of their relationship so they call each other Granger and Malfoy and they call each other Draco and Hermione only in their most intimate moments yeah because yeah. and and that marks something, so that sparks something in them. And again, I find that Hey Jude does a great a great job with that as well. And a third thing is the way that they call it, how he calls his parents, or how he you know mother mother and father instead of mom and dad because he doesn't have that close relationship with his parents. No. It's a respectful relationship, but it's also a very cold relationship. No matter how much his mom his mother loves him. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that he calls his mother mother and not yes. mom. And again, I find that um, in this book, it's the, the the way that the characters are and their relationships are very, very well preserved. 
Yeah. Jeannie is very witty and funny oh. as well. Uh, Harry is protective and understanding and he's m mature. Um, kind of from up, right after he finds out he's he's mature and about their relationship Ron has a you know like a he explodes a little bit oh and he but finds you know out. what the thing with Ron also makes sense what we don't it's like it's normal his reaction because if you remember the Weasleys and the Malfoys never got along it's not mm -hmm. something that is put to them it's generations and generations and we know how that goes right we probably had in our family where like a family member tells you, well, we don't like that person. And the reason why we don't like that person is because, well, my parents didn't like them and their parents didn't like them. And I think Ron's first um, outburst is a normal one, considering the history that the Malfoys and the Weasleys have. But honestly, I think he kind of comes around like a like very maturely. Mm. Yeah, but you know why? Because of what happens in France which we're not going to say now, just after the, well, the yeah, spoilers yeah. begin. And uh, also, France. Um, and yeah, I know. Um, and why, why I think he's entitled to have this reaction is because he finds out by accident and yeah. realizes that Harry and Ginny already knew and nobody told him. And he has a lot of nightmares uh, still about what happened at Malfoy Manor with Bellatrix mm -hmm. and yeah. he still thinks that uh, Draco should have done something yeah, yeah. because he, in in his sh shoes it, uh, Ron would have done something even if he would yeah. have died so yeah. I think he's entitled to that but but Ron is a every oh. character is actually wonderful and supportive and so on so this is a story of their relationship from the time that they get to see each other again to reconnect um until uh, through introducing their relationship to all their friends and family mm -hmm. and how this goes and who is more supportive who is less supportive and then how they introduce their relationship to the public and what uh, what happened then and in parallel how their own intimate relationship um develops but it and develops it's absolutely absolutely beautiful and uh, did we mention that the sex scenes are probably the best or some of the best honestly some of the best if not the best like oh from memory we can we do talk about it from memory what who are we talking who are yeah. we kidding um okay. georgie is there anything else you would like to add or can we go in the part where we actually yeah, talk no no so let's no no before before we actually start with the spoilers i have something else to say so uh, this is still at the beginning in some of the first chapters <clears throat> so after he starts seeing her um, every morning they have an encounter over the weekend which is a little bit aggressive from <laughs> and um, totally un not funded or found that has no foundation yeah, from has no basis why he is so but you know what at this point he has seen her for what like two weeks and she's not looking his way and he's weeks. mad yeah like yeah so they meet on the weekend on a Saturday when he goes in and he normally doesn't go in on Saturdays we have to say that so he doesn't go in on a Saturday, but it's one night where he can't sleep. And the reason why he can't sleep is because he has a nightmare and, of course, about her. Um, and it even mentions at some point that when he talks in his healing sessions, he talks like her nightmares are the ones that are the worst her. for yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, yeah, her the nightmares with her. And it even says um, and you find out the reason why he goes to a healer is because it was court mandate. And then he decided to go on his own. And he even says at some point that um there are 
hundreds and hundreds of scrolls of just about Hermione Granger. Mm-hmm. So, um, because he has such a complicated relationship with her. So I think for him, it triggers him. And then that Saturday he comes in and um, she's sitting at his table. Because of course, <laughs> yeah, right. find yeah. that table, his table. And then I'll let you take it from here. <laughs> anyway, and then he goes to her and says, oh, I don't know something about uh, really Granger. This is, you know, my table, yeah. whatever. Um, and he realizes at some point that he made a fool out of himself, but uh, because all the other tables are taken, then he sits down with her. Um, and that's the first time where they actually start to speak. Yeah. And after that, um, every morning, uh, um, Hermione waves at him, so acknowledges his presence in the morning. Mm-hmm. And one day she decides to leave her stuff there. Mm-hmm. And one day she decides to actually sit down for a few minutes and yeah. they start talking. <laughs> and um, and Draco is very suspicious, I think, yes. especially yeah. at the beginning, because he doesn't truly believe that she has a good intention maybe she thinks that she wants to make fun of him or whatever so at some point he he wants to clarify you know ranger what is this what are we doing and um and hermione says the following thing and i quote every time i looked at you i saw me draco noticed her hands were gripping her mug tightly as if it were uh tethering her to the table she took a deep breath and continued please please don't please don't be offended I know I'm overstepping but I recognize the very specific look on you that I've only ever seen when I looked in the mirror so it's the idea that the fact that she understands that he comes to the Muggle Cafe to have a little bit of a of a break from a world that has identified him with a villain and she goes there to get rid of or at least to have a little break of the expectations that the world sets on her shoulders that she's the brightest witch of her age um she's not allowed to make mistakes so she's the brainy sidekick of harry potter and so on so everyone has already labeled both of them and it's very hard to get out of those those labels so the muggle world and especially the smuggle cafe gives them a, a break from that and a, yeah. a beautiful thing, and I think where it all starts, and then Georgie, we can start with the spoilers, in my opinion. Um, she, um, so he's um, <laughs> he's he's stay, stands in his own way all the time. Oh my god, his, all, all the time. Thing, yeah. Although somehow in his his subconscious always tells him, "Why? Why do you say that? Why are you doing that? Why? Yeah. <laughs> why are you an idiot?" Um, yeah. So he says the, the wrong things, but she's always very patient and ultimately very, very forgiving and supportive because she's she's a very kind person. And um, she, at some point, very early in the book, she extends his hand, uh, her hand, because they have so much history. And she says, and she wants to start with a clean slate. Yeah. And says, yeah. "Hi, I'm Hermione Granger." And in um, in Draco's mind is like, okay, what is this? This is a chance, a clean slate. And at this point for Draco, a lifeline. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, things start um, yeah. with the tension between them starts easing. And they, they start this morning routine where she comes also a little bit early before her morning start, before her work starts. And, and they spend time talking. Sometimes she writes in her many many notebooks yeah Yeah. and that's I think where where it all starts the the moment where and it takes it takes a couple of weeks for them to get to that point because he's still suspicious of her 
Um, And he still doesn't understand why. And like you said, he's so self-deprecating, but at the same time, he realizes his self-sabotages, but he can't help himself. So he goes back and forth between this like guilt and whatever. And then when they reintroduce themselves, that's when you see their routine start. So it's like, you said every morning she comes in and they sit down and she works on her stuff and he works on his stuff and their relationship develops through that. Right. So they have little conversations here and there. Sometimes they sit in silence. Sometimes, um, you know, they talk about her work and he gives his opinion because she asks him and, you know, they have this back and forth and everything else. And it's obvious that they think differently of certain things, um, especially like her job. Sometimes maybe he gives her another perspective um, that she needed and she asks him thing about himself and I think the other reason we like it so much is because it's not something and again nothing against having sex like the first time or whatever but like you see them develop like the the love isn't there from day one it is really slow burn like it takes them I would say what nine months until they even go to dinner I think almost a year actually yeah yeah, because they go in in January um, mm-hmm. is when they have the so like a full year from the moment he sees her until they actually go to dinner and nothing even happens at this dinner. They just go to dinner. So it's like it's a progression of things. It's a very um, it's a slow but very believable progression. So the believable. first I think the first thing that she that he ever tells her then the first nice thing that he ever tells her is Merlin Granger. I think the day I hear of a book you haven't read, I might just die of shock. And yeah. then she smiled at him. Hermione Granger smiled at him. There was no uh, impatience or scorn, but genuine amusement at, at his teasing. So from, you know, that not Distrust. very good yeah. start, these small things start to happen more yeah. and more. Yeah. Um, he, he has this, um, this kind of a, not a panic attack, but um he offers him at some point um, the sleeping potion. Is it the sleeping potion? Oh, yes, and that's the one. Yeah, yeah. And goes through this, you know, this panic attack, and yeah. he helps. Uh, she helps him out of that. Then at some point, that's- she has a um, also an episode about her parents and the fact that her relationship with her parents is strained after she obliviated them and then came back uh, and then, you know, restored her, their memories, brought them back, but still their relationship is strained and she can't talk very much with them about, uh, the wizarding world and yeah. what her, her life is, uh, how her life is because, you know, the parents don't trust her anymore. Um, and he's there for her as well. And just as you said, um, I think this is a, an important point in their relationship because Draco actually listens to her. So when she starts babbling around about um, her work and about the things that are important to her and about, you know, more sophisticated stuff and harder to understand, he actually, he can actually follow. So unlike Ron and Harry, who would just shut down when she started, when she used to start talking about all those things and not remember what she was saying, just because they can't really follow the content, he's actually, he actually pays it attention yeah and as you said he actually has great contribution to to her work and also to her application for for one of the um the conferences for for a conference in venice about the mermish people i think yeah so he he's also there to contribute to her life Mm -hmm. 
So that yeah. it, it's not a one-way thing. It's not just that, you know, Hermione is perfect and she, she, you know, she, she does probably a lot more for him because she's in a more balanced place, but he does so, so much for her as well. well with he, she, he proves that he actually deserves her very much as well. I think she does a lot for him. I think she does a lot more for him in the beginning because he's so... Um, He's so paralyzed with fear and guilt and everything else. But I think once he's in, like he is in. And um, once he like they're together, he allows himself to love her more openly, I think, which I think he didn't allow himself to do before. And once he allows his love for her to be out there and for him to acknowledge, okay, we're together and this is happening and she's not going to kick me out like next day. I think that's when he starts showing her with actions how much he loves her um like and 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 he does i mean he loves her so much oh god um, and, and and the words that hey dude uh, uses to describe yeah his feelings and their feelings for each other and they're amazing yes and and you see the change in him i think happen um right around his attack i think that's when because he's like oh my god no now she's gonna find out i'm also a, like I'm a drug addict basically well or potions addict and she's so kind to him about it and and he, he she says to him well how you know how long have you been sober and he says I think something like six a year six or six or like years. six years six yes believe me I read it 10 times yes. yeah six years because you did the potions for the first like three six years and she's so proud of him and she's like Malfoy that's amazing and I think that's the first time he's like oh my god like she's so kind and wonderful and and I like you so much. And I think that's when it kind of turns for him um, a little bit more. We don't see her side of things. So you don't know when things turn for her. I mean, she tells you. But for him, I think that's the turning point. Um, and she has, you know, they have these conversations. And the she talks about how she wants to go to these conferences. Um, and he encourages her to write the application and helps her and everything else, which is a catalyst later on. Um, she talks about... Um, how you can't change things. So she's always very upset about stuff, right? That's happening in the wizarding world. And she comes in and she writes her little letters to the daily prophet. And he's like, a letter's not going to change anything. And she's like, well, what do you, what else do you have in mind? Like, what else could I do? And he says to her, well, you're Hermione Granger. If you can't do it, then who can? And I think that's where, and the other thing is what we realized at that point, I think is how insecure she also is of herself. Because mm -hmm. I think she sees she sees that people see her as the brightest age of her age, blah, blah, blah. And like she should be doing more. She but she doesn't know how because the bureaucracy is so bad or whatever. Anyway, so he says to her, well, if you can't, then who can? And she talks about how it should start from when the children are young, especially muggle-borns, how they're thrown in their first year of college. And then you're no, nothing. You, I'm going to stop you right there because <gasps> okay. that's already a spoiler. Uh, so oh, I, I thought think... we said that we were going to start spoilers. Oh, we did. Oh my God! I where where was I? Like, you said that. You said five minutes ago. Okay, so, um, everyone who has not read the book, I think it, this is the time to actually close this up. Uh, yeah, the podcast oh, because right now we're talking about things that happen later in the book, and that should be a surprise for you. Should be a surprise. So stop here. So bye bye. If you, if you haven't yes, read the book, <laughs> and if you have Go read the book and then come back and listen to us because we are delightful. Anyway. <laughs> good, good one, George. Good one. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, um, so she talks about how she thinks the wizardly world should be, that Muggleborn should have maybe kind of like American colleges where they visit the, 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 you know, the campus, if you will, and everything else. So he keeps asking her questions. She comes up with this great idea. And then she's like, well, you know, alas, I'm going to go get another tea. So he takes the pages, rips them from her little journal, and he stashes them away. He doesn't know why, but he stashes them away. And um, her idea where she described um, this this, uh, project of how to introduce muggle-borns into the wizarding society, right? So we know the plot, so I think we need to be a little bit more specific. Yes, 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 I know. I'm like, oh. So he takes those those books that, you know, very thorough description of her idea, but she forgets about it because she knows that there's a lot of money that has to be invested in that. And she doesn't think it is possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and then he goes to McGonagall, presents this, and they both no, agree. No, wait. No, 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 no. Something else happens. No? At some point. Wait, let's continue, because it's something else happens. What? He also runs his family businesses. We have to say that. So on top of everything else, obviously, the Malfoys are very rich. So very shortly after this little brief meeting, uh, you find out that uh, Draco has a, an advisory board meeting with his financial advisors. And he and then they tell him that some of the money that he had invested in a charity um, actually ended up being used for some illegal trading, whatever. So they took that money out, they pulled it out, but they have to find something else to invest it in because they already spoke for it, I guess, for tax purposes. I don't know. It's the wizarding world. They have taxes. anyway. So his, his accountant says, well, we have to find a place to invest this. And that's when he has the pieces of paper and he goes, hold up a minute, I might just have found what to invest it in. And then he writes the proposal and he goes to McGonagall. I just wanted to, to, to say how he got the money. Like he didn't yeah. just make it out of thin air for her. It just happened that things were kind of working out that way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, th- the thing is, I think what is important about this, um, the Muggle program. So first of all, it's a program for Muggleborns, yes. So people who he had initially he had no regard for, and mm-hmm. he was taught that they're mudbloods and they shouldn't, they yeah. don't belong in the wizarding society. So he contributes to this program, but he's also an anonymous benefactor. And I think this is something. So the title "Remain Nameless." I find that has also something to do with uh, with the fact that he's an anonymous benefactor and he doesn't want anyone to know that this is something that he funded. Um, so that's one thing. And the second thing is when, uh, when she finds out, when she tells him, when he tells her, um, it is a kind of a critical moment because I think they have their kind of, not the first fight, but their first actual barrier in their relationship or obstacle that they have to, to overcome. And she trusts him so much that she actually signs it without reading it, which is yeah. very unlike Hermione because she's very yeah. thorough, but she believes so much in, in his, you know, his logic and yeah. and the way that he thinks things through that she, she just signs. And she also realizes that he had started this even before they called each other friends. Yeah. So it was very, very early in their yeah, interaction. Yeah, very early. Mm-hmm. Which, which says 
a lot. So it says a lot about how much he's changed and also how much he cares about her and how much he, he actually wants to contribute to rebuilding the wizarding world, even if people don't know about him. So, and this is very nice because through this, they also convince Arthur Weasley that um, he's up to good things and that he's changed. Yeah. And there's this gala later in the book um, where they, <laughs> where Hermione surprised. This is one of my favorite parts. Oh my God, I can read that yeah. over and over again. When Because um, he wants to still stay anonymous. So at yes. this point, even though they've been together for years, he still wants to stay to the sidelines. So what she does is I'll let you talk about it but I just wanted to mention that uh, he really doesn't want it and she and you know what is at this point everyone in their life knows about them and I think not just what she does but the fact that all of her friends um support her uh, oh it could just bring tears to my eyes honestly yes like, I know I know so this it's also a story about friendship and how yeah. much Ginny Harry and Ron um help help them out and support them in this no matter how what they thought about Draco in the past just because Hermione has chosen Draco and slowly Draco shows them that he's changed as well <clears throat> and that he loves Hermione very very much so they they are actually very su supportive and they're also very how <laughs> oh, how do we say they're very seasoned when it comes to yeah um, dealing with the with the public press. eye and with the yeah. press yeah so they're very very helpful that night but the most beautiful thing is that um so Draco insists that he doesn't want anyone to know that he's involved and that he doesn't want to come together with uh, with Hermione to the reception he doesn't want anyone to know this he doesn't want to spoil her um, her yeah. night that it's it's her night she needs to be in the center of attention yeah. and uh, the plan was at least from what Draco knew is for uh, uh, Hermione to open the dance floor with uh, Arthur Weasley mm -hmm. but instead of going to Arthur um, with everyone watching she goes to Draco and invites him to dance yeah. and Draco says you know Granger everyone can see us there's no going back from this yeah and she says some of course very beautiful, very thoughtful things. <laughs> and yeah. I think uh, after the first dance, and you know, everyone is very, very surprised. Uh, Hermione, um, you know, hugged him very, very closely. So, or dances with him very, very closely. So if anyone had had any suspicion yeah. that they yeah. were together, yeah. that was, yeah. Um, it was clear now that they, that they were romantically involved. And um I know that what I really liked at the end of the, the first dance, um, he said that um, he was sure that he was grinning like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. But then again, so was she. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's and so that, nice. That, that's also the, the evening when he finally, finally gets the courage to, to say to her that um, he loves her. Yeah. Um, at the, um, at, I think in front of the... Um, lake or by the lake by the by black, black lake. lake yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. um but what I another thing that I wanted to say when before we started the spoilers but I didn't get a chance to um is the fact that I like how every milestones happens in a yeah. steady way so it's there for the first time they they touch is when you know when the rain when there's rain it's rainy outside yeah. and he needs to to take her under his uh, umbrella, umbrella. Where they, they're close you know physically for the first time um then um 
I know they talk about things um, that are bring them closer and closer together. Then when <clears throat> he first, you know, um, kisses her hand, and then when they when they go out for dinner and he uh, asks for her forgiveness, forgiveness. Maybe we can talk um, about that a, a little bit. Then um, the first day when they have sex for the first time then when uh -huh. uh, no actually when he realizes that he's in love with her and her. that she's yes. like, he smells she smells like his uh, amarantia uh -huh. so hermione in her library in his library <laughs> smells yeah like and he has a big freak out moment he's like hold up a minute oh, oh god that's that's you know, maybe we can talk about that as well then yeah. um then when uh, he shouts at her <laughs> that yeah can you see i'm in love with you which is again so stupid from his part but but then then he he's able to explain it um why why he reacted that way and then georgie uh, what comes next and then he realizes slowly that he's in love with her yeah. but he can't he doesn't have the courage to tell her yeah. and then finally he does and then he realizes that he wants to marry her but well um, actually hold up a minute i just remembered he doesn't tell her i love you at the gala because he doesn't say it before paris but paris georgie please do not contradict me on the timeline is the paris, thing after paris paris is before that paris is before ah, the gala okay and uh what I, another thing that i think is is important is that they help each other through nightmares so there's he has one nightmare and well when while well, she's sleeping at her house and it's the particular nightmare with Bellatrix and what mm -hmm. happens to her in his house. And he actually cries. Yes. Um, and I think, again, that's important because she realizes how much he's changed and how guilty he feels about everything. And he yeah. apologizes for a lot of things. Um, she also has a nightmare um, about what happened during the war. And he's there for her, and she's able yeah. to um, to um, help her through it. And he's very proud of himself because initially he didn't yeah. know what to do. And she tells yeah. him, right? So she guides him and says, "Okay, when we, can you please rub my back?" And and yeah. this is and what I, you need yes, to do. He's very he's very proud that he was able to comfort yeah. her and tells himself, "Oh, maybe I'm not that bad at this yeah. relationship thing." Maybe he isn't. I didn't want to touch because I obviously the book is a lot about him. I want to touch on the friendships. Is that okay? Georgie, do you think it's the right moment? We haven't talked about their physical relationship yet. Well, you already went all the way to the end. So we kind yeah, of have discussed their so progression. Georgie, that's so much to say. But okay. I don't want to okay, forget let's... about the friendships because okay. you know some of my favorite I will, parts. Are... I will allow an interlude. You have <laughs> six minutes. <laughs> You are out of your mind if you think I'm going to finish that in six minutes. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. So I wanted to touch a little bit about the friendships and I'm going to go just kind of broadly touch on all of them. So with Harry, obviously he's like her brother. You know, when he finds out in the beginning, he just doesn't know what to believe, but him, Ginny, Hermione and Drake will go to dinner. And then uh, while they're at dinner, he pretends he drops his fork um, to go <laughs> under the table because he <laughs> imagines in his head that Draco must have a wand um, pointed at him and he's ready to hex him any minute. And what he sees is the fact that Draco is holding on for dear life to Hermione's hand. And he is obviously so scared to be there. And, you know, he's like petrified and everything else. And Hermione's like soothing him and she's running like circles on his hand and everything else. Um, then um, there's a moment between him and Draco um, 
where he says to her, you know, I wanted to take her to the magical circus. And the only reason why I didn't is because she wanted to have this dinner with you. And then the way Draco looks at Hermione when she comes back from the bathroom, that's when Harry like gets it, gets it. Um, and then why? Him and Jeannie... why? Why? Because as an aura, he's very observant. He and is very observant. How his face softens, yes. even when just sees- a little bit when he sees her. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, of course, they have the invisibility cloak after dinner, and they go. Ginny's <laughs> like, "Stop being a moron!" And he's like, "No, Ginny, we have to see this. There's something happening." And of course, Draco and Hermione have this moment where they're like super flirty and touchy and whatever. And, and Harry's like so horrified. Um, and it's important to to kind of touch base on the fact that like there's a moment in the beginning of the book where you find out that. Draco went to Harry many years pre to this meeting with Hermione to apologize and they had a nice conversation and I think that my favorite part of it is when um, Harry says to Draco, um, the world isn't splitting good people and death eaters. Um, And he kind of says that again at a later time. So there, his friendship with, with Harry is lovely and it develops over time. His friendship with Ginny is my favorite. There are two peas in a pod. Um, and she's the only one who knows about this relationship from the beginning, even when it's not a relationship. Um, she has, they have these um, moments together. I'm not going to touch on all of them, but I want to touch the one where she goes over to him and they have the conversation about how her, Harry and Draco are the only three people who knows what it is to live with Voldemort in your house or your head. Uh, right, because Voldemort. Right, I think there. I think the the way she puts it to share headquarters with shared headquarters, yes, something like that. Yeah, right, because her her because Voldemort had taken over, you know, her with the diary, and then obviously he had the connection with Harry, and he lived in Draco's um, house. So they have this connection, and and their moment is so sweet. And towards the end, oh, it has one of my favorite things of all times when he says, and I'm not spoiling anything, but I'm spoiling. Um, at the wedding when she said he says and maybe many many years from now um he'll tell Ginny that she's like a sister to him um maybe 10 years from now or maybe she'll just figure out before he does because she's good like that and I just oh, I have tears in my eyes just thinking about it. it's like mm-hmm. one of my favorite things and um the relationship he ends up having with Arthur and Molly is lovely because in the beginning um Arthur is not the most open and when he finds out what he did to fund the school that like the muggle program right muggle borns program mm-hmm. yep and then um so arthur and, and molly are fantastic the whole weasleys come around um but my favorite thing and i don't want to cry but i'm gonna cry is how ron is described in this story oh yeah oh. Let, let me <laughs> have a, have a moment i read it i like cry every time yeah, so first of all, um, I think uh, Heiju describes very well why um, Hermione and Ron are not together anymore, because they realize that the love that they share is not romantic love, it's more of a friendship, and why they're still very, very good friends. Ron very is with Padma right now. Yes. Um, and what she says about Ron is the fact that he's he um, he grew up a lot after after the war and he decided to be the you know the strong pillar in the family and support everyone in the family um he um he went to help um 
George in the um, in the shop, and yeah. somehow you know to to fill the gap that of uh, right, Fred's right. Uh, absence, um, and he supported you know her their mom as well. So he he's really uh, like. I don't know how to, to say it, like a supporting pillar of the he's, Weasley family. Yeah, he is the backbone of that family. And she describes so well because she says um, he's the one to make sure that Percy feels involved. He's the one to make sure his mom doesn't fall apart. He's the one, I mean, I just, I love him so much. I don't know why I'm crying. It's probably because I'm getting my period in two days. Anyway. <laughs> well, so, no, then, no, it's absolutely and then, beautiful. And she talks about how the reason why they kind of fell apart and they ended up being roommates. If you remember, she says that they end up being roommates by the end is because he gave him, he gave so much of himself that by the end there was nothing left of him. And I was like, <laughs> so guys, this book is I, full of these types of things. It so, is. And the way she describes how him, and the moment, the way she describes how, why him and Padma work so well. Um, and it's yeah, can I how, say like, George? Because apparently, yes. <laughs> So that yes, I know what is I'm going to continue to cry through the Ron thing. And by the way, I do not dislike fan fictions where Ron is the bad guy at all. But this one, oh, I am a sucker for Ron. I'm reading it. I remember the last time I read it, I actually recorded myself crying, talking about yes, the parts yes, with yes, Ron. Yes, <laughs> anyway, yes so I think um, it describes very well why Padma is better uh, for Ron than Hermione is. Because Hermione always needs to prove that she knows things and uh, to get praise for it. And she's she's very vocal about these things and she wants somehow to be in the center of attention. Um, and Ron can't keep up with that, right? Because Ron doesn't have her intellect. He's a wonderful person, a wonderful character, but he always feels not good enough for her. Uh, whereas Padma, she's um, she, she does she's not that vocal about um, how smart she's because I I find that Padma is actually very smart and um, she even says right that Padma's smart but not in a way that needs reassurance like Hermione is and mm -hmm. whereas uh, whereas you know something if Ron does this. Hermione tends into being nagging, but Padma actually embraces this part of him. And where she gets annoyed with Ron's jokes, Padma finds it hilarious and funny and whatever. So all the ways that him and her and Ron didn't work as a couple, him and Padma do. Like, and they mm -hmm. have, she even says how they went to the prom together and it turned out, as we know, like horrible. And they have this little Not inside the, the joke. Yule ball. You said prom? Yule ball. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I'm an American. What is wrong with you? Oh my goodness. I don't know. I've lived in America too long. I need to move out of here. It's a good thing. I, <laughs> <laughs> I need to go back. But um, it, it and, and then there's a later time, if you remember, when they sit in bed and they talk about their exes, right? Because um, they say at some point we'll have this conversation after, I think one of the nightmares, I can't remember if it's his or hers. They're like, okay, it's time to talk about it's our not, exes. It's not, I don't think it's after a nightmare, Georgie. I think it's, um, so he, you know, he's not, <laughs> I quote, his confidence um, comes in ebbs and flows. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. Adrian's confidence comes in its and flows. So there's this time. So he's very, very curious to understand why Ron let her go. So he yeah. really thinks that Ron is an idiot for letting Hermione go. Yeah. And he also wants to know how he's performing in bed. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. To Ron. So yeah. 
um, there's a lot of you know chatter from him. You know, like yeah. how many how many times <laughs> how many times on average did the uh, we did he, make yeah like did he during. Make- <laughs> and then how many times did I and then Hermione were exasperated she's like okay I think it's time we talk about her no 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 it's not that so that that happens no. in his head the thing with the how many times did he make you come but he says he asked something which is a little bit more harmless I would say it's something about I, I don't know how many times did he compliment you or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she's, she sighs like, oh, okay, I think it is time to have this conversation. Yeah. So they go through the, their romantic history mm-hmm. with all their past lovers. Um, so by the end of the book, they know basically almost everything about each other. Yeah. And, and, these, and these conversations do nothing but to bring them closer together. Closer together. And I like the fact that it happens gradually, like you said, right? Like this conversation is something that happens in there. It's like it happens a year plus after they get together. Like this is not a conversation they have right in the beginning. So, and I think they're both very guarded and they let things like as they're more comfortable with each other, they're more comfortable opening up about the most important things. And, and then this part where they open about their exes, you know, Draco talks about pansy and the green grasses, which he doesn't remember because he was you know, potioned out of his mind and this one French girl he met, whatever. And she talks about, you know, Ron and and the like two muggle-borns. She like the two muggles she's like with after her. Yeah. And then Victor Crumb. But the part with Ron is she explains that the reason when her and Ron understood that they were not meant to be together is at Harry and Ginny's wedding and how they looked at each other across while Harry and Ginny were like, you know, the head over heels to each other. Yeah, and they realized, and that's when they were like, yes, when they were making their vows, and that's when she realizes, and Ron realizes that they're not meant to be together. So they dance, and they decide to break up during the dance, which I will not cry again. And they go home, and they make love for their last time, and they hold each other. And then um, he says, "I'm going to go live with George. You can keep the place." Um, and then she says, "No, no, I, I this is your place." Um, so he moves out for a week and then she moves on and that's how they move on and he starts dating Padma after a while it's one of my honestly for permission when he first starts dating someone else anyway it's very nice and then uh, after that it's nice that um, Molly and Arthur come to to Hermione and after they run and her break up and and they say that you know, there she's still their daughter, and she should come yes. every Sunday to the borough. And very nice. Yes. Can and I? Yeah, go can ahead. Can I say one more thing? Yes, please. And of course, it's about my favorites, Padma and Ron. And um, one another thing that I liked um, is when um, her and Ron start dating, and Hermione describes how like no one liked Padma in the beginning, especially like Molly. She was so passive aggressive and whatever, and. Uh, George was really lost after losing Fred Um, Mm -hmm. and Padma sits down with him and they talk for a couple of minutes and um, it's like the first person who even got to George like he was he was having so many issues he's having alcohol issues he wouldn't let anyone in and then the fact that Padma sat down with him and connected and he gets up and he says um oh if you don't if you don't keep her on I will and it's a seal of approval then Molly turns around and everyone else and when Ron asks her well what did you say and she said it's a twin thing because her twin is Parvati and you wouldn't understand 
And for me, uh, that is like one of my favorite moments. And I was just like, Padman, run forever. I hope they're happy. I'm the mom and whatever. And that's it. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted to say. Yeah. All of this. Okay, Georgie. But cry. so it very, very short right now, right? So they, because we need to talk about their relationship a little bit more. There are other milestones that we need to and talk Theo. about. Yes, I know. That's what I want to talk about now. But first, um, they meet her parents and um, his dad, especially. Uh, He's very tough um, to Draco, so a little bit harder to to bring them around, but it, but they do um, eventually. Uh, so they they get to have a good relationship with their with her parents as well. But it takes a while, so it's a process which I like. And I think the one that is the least um, supportive and only comes around very very late in the book, actually at the very end, is Narcissa. That's just very annoying Um, in this book. And, you know, like she she doesn't want to accept the fact that, you know, they've made mistakes and that that the world has changed and she's running away from, you know, England and the way that they are perceived in England. And she hides in her family, you know, somewhere in France and Italy or whatever in Europe with her family, extended family. So takes a very long time to you know to bring her around but uh, I think Drake and Hermione prove over and over again that they make each other happy that um, she has a great influence on his life so ultimately she comes around as well uh Theo uh, Georgie's favorite or I don't know is Ron more favorites <laughs> closer to your heart in this one anyway so Theo is wonderful as always and Theo has a story of his own so he he just fell in love with a muggle not a muggle born but a muggle which is uh, I I have not read any other fanfic there might be yeah. But but he struggles because she doesn't know about the magical world. Um, she he she fell in love with her very very hard with and Sasha and yeah. Sasha and Sasha loves him as well. And um, they have a first uh, double date because um, uh, Hermione being a Muggleborn, she can actually she knows what to talk uh, with Sasha. Um, you know, from a muggle perspective, she creates a cover story for them, you know, a muggle cover story for her and Draco. And uh, Theo is very, very grateful and they become great friends, of course. Um, and at some point, Theo needs to tell Sasha that he's actually a wizard and she has a breakdown. And the one that he calls is Hermione because she knows how to talk to her. Yeah. Having both experience with the muggle and the wizarding world, she brings her books because Sasha is also a person who reads <laughs> I think her parents are something her parents are teachers she's not a reader she's not a reader but anyway no but to find out more about them, them she gives her the, the right books and ultimately Sasha decides that she actually wants to spend her life with with Theo so they get married uh, and what I like is is the fact that they get married at the ministry, of course, of magic, uh-huh. but uh, Harry and Ginny come and Ron is there as well, which is which is very nice. Which is sweet, yes, because they yes. have to okay. because they have to get married within a certain number of days. Because you know Theo tells her, and he doesn't know about the s- statue of secrecy or something like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, very happy ending for Theo, everyone. If you love Theo, 
um, mm-hmm. and he, he doesn't die or suffer or anything. So I, I remember happy. how much you suffered in isolation. When oh my God, it's when my obsession with Theo started. I was like, oh, poor Theo. He gets a very okay. happy ending. Yeah. So Georgie, would you agree? So we need to talk about when he asked for forgiveness. <clears throat> I have quotes and mm-hmm. I need to read them. Are you okay with that? You tell me. I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah. So okay. I... Yeah, we have to touch about that. We do have to touch about the blueberries cone. We do have to touch about the uh, flower shop. Ah, uh, okay. But also the first time that they have sex. So that's the first. That's and, the first the yeah. and the first time I want to talk sex. about and Paris. Paris. Yeah, Paris. It's, it's very important. And uh, maybe what happens at the end. So what yes. do you do when they... Okay. Oh, there's so much. So even if we talk about these things, we actually don't get a chance to talk about everything that we need to okay which is so, why everyone you should read it because we are not doing it justice we I mean, focus honestly, on how can you talk about a three hundred thousand book word book in less than two hours honestly 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 okay so after i think a year or a year and a month or something like that no i don't remember when they go Oh, and the gift, the, the Christmas gift. Anyway, so the why Christmas don't we start with the up. why don't we start with the blueberry scone scene since it's the beginning of their no, relationship? No, yes, the, it is. No, the forgiving, the asking for forgiveness is before that. Okay, so start with that, and we'll continue with the blueberry scone. Okay, so the first time they go to dinner, yeah. um, <clears throat> before the uh, is it the Oprah? Yes. For the Oprah, he hadn't um, intended to to ask for forgiveness, but it just happened, and and he just blurs it out, and she, he says, "I owe you probably a lifetime's worth of apologies." Um, the when I was a bratty schoolboy and went to Hogwarts, thinking I was better than everyone, I treated you horribly. Those inherited values and prejudice, courtesy of my family, it shaped everything about my childhood. I honestly believe I was better than you because of my blood blood status. I dot 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 I started running out of excuses for why you were inferior so I stuck with the only thing I could hate you about your lineage it was pettiness plain and simple Granger you were better at magic and it burned me up inside and instead of respecting you for it I was going to tear you down um, for the only the, the only way I knew how with slurs about you and your um, your family as a kid you were this impossible thing to me how could someone my father told me was dirty stupid and less than me how could that person be so brilliant everything about magic and our classes all the friends you had every single thing thing seemed to come so easily to you I couldn't square the two realities in my head so I picked the lazy option I chose to belittle you and threw myself into hating you and everything you and Potter represented it wasn't right and it scares me when I think about how easy it was for me to live in that hatred. I'm sorry mm-hmm. for how I treated you in school and for the horrible awful th- things I said and so on. But it's a very, very, I find beautiful way of, of asking for forgiveness and you know, all, all the dialogue and everything in this book is very well thought through yes. and very, very beautiful. And just quickly, of course, she takes this and she's like, already done I don't want to talk about it more and then she thinks that the only reason why he was talking to her for all this time is to apologize and she thought once the apology is done he's going to stop seeing her 
Um, and he does not because he loves her so much. Anyway, we're running out of time. So do we want to move on to the blueberry scones, Christine? Okay, Georgie. Can I, okay, can I just say, can I just say one thing though? Mm. It is, and I have read my fair share of romance novels and romance stories and romance movies. And it is the most sexual, not sexually explicit scene <laughs> I have ever had the pleasure to read and reread and reread. Can I say something else? Can I say something else? Because this is triggered a little bit. So she actually goes on a date. So after they share Christmas presents and the, his present mm -hmm. is very, very thoughtful and she has a breakdown because she she doesn't think it's right to like actually Draco Malfoy much more than as a friend and Ginny and I think Padma and whatever they set her up with a with a Ravenclaw guy and mm -hmm. Draco goes nuts so he loses his goddamn Ginny. mind yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh-huh loses it um so in his mind he says Granger uh <laughs> He didn't care. He did not. Go on a million fucking dates, Granger, while I sit alone and rot away inside this gigantic empty house, a self-imposed recluse because I'm so messed up and I can't stomach the th thought of you being happy without me. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I really like this um, <clears throat> quote. Yes, this quote. Yeah. yeah. This unending, and then, yeah, he slowly, he doesn't want to accept the fact that he actually starts loving her uh so starts falling in love with her and he he just um, negates this <laughs> as much for as long as he can but yeah so okay go ahead sorry so do we are you emotionally prepared to finally talk about the blueberry scone scene yes <laughs> let's do it i feel like you needed a couple of minutes to calm yourself down <laughs> <laughs> go ahead go ahead I was okay so guys the famous blueberry and apricot scone scene but it's really the blueberry scone scene so the whole thing of this whole muggle cafe is how Draco loves these blueberry scones and even though his house elves which by the way there's a lovely story with the house elves and Hermione and the whole thing where we don't have time to get into it read it it's fantastic um he gets his house elves to try to recreate these blueberry scones and he just cannot so he loves these blueberry scones. She loves the blueberry scones. One day, uh, there's only one blueberry scone left. So he begrudgingly upsets, accepts the apricot one. <laughs> and then, and then, um, he keeps complaining because Hermione says it's the best scone she's ever had because she has the blueberry one. And um, he's all like, oh, fine. I mean, if it's so good, then, <clears throat> you know, just give me a piece or something like that and then she does she does she breaks a little piece off and she feeds it to him because he like leans forward and opens his mouth and Diana would read you the whole paragraph but we don't have time for her to do that so believe us when we say it is so hot uh because he kind of like closes his mouth like around her fingers and go like kind of like hovers over her fingers but doesn't really touch them and she says, remember, turnabout is fair play. So she asks, no, she asks, how how is, is it? Is it? Yes. And he says something like it's, it's very good. Very and good. And then he says, turnabout is fair play. And he breaks a little piece of his very, very non-delicious apricot scone, even though it's probably delicious, but he breaks mm -hmm. it off and it's a little bit messier than hers. And he goes to feed it to her. 
And he says, as he's on his way to feed it to her, like halfway through, like the, the tension, like the atmosphere around them changes and it turns very hot. And he goes to like feed it to her. A couple of crumbs fall on the side of her mouth and she sticks out her tongue to like wipe the crumbs off and she touches his finger. And it's a good thing they're in public because she probably would have just combusted there. And me and Deanna combusted and we've read it so many times. Deanna probably more than I. And every time we still send each other the quotes from that scene, we're like, oh, I'm at the blueberry scum scene and we know exactly what it's about. Reggie, but you didn't mention the most important thing. So she fits in the scone. Uh-huh. He fits her the scone. Um, she touches his finger with her tongue. Yeah. Like sit, like sit, like and sit, then uh-huh. he licks well, yeah. his finger. Well, you finish. You stopped me after she licked his finger. I was gonna continue, but you. Oh, continue. sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. You continue. continue. You continue. I'm no, not no. done with it. Go ahead. Oh, and then, anyway, and then he um, licks mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. fingers and uh, and uh, she, he asks, good? And she's, she nods. And then he licks his fingers. So the, the finger. fingers that were in her, that been in her mouth. And she mm-hmm, says, mm-hmm. Mm, I, I'd have to agree. Mm-hmm. And then she's flustered <laughs> and she flees to work. <laughs> yes, yes. But they have their dinner, um, their first dinner that same evening. Yes, they do. <gasps> that was so sexy. Okay. Do we want to talk about the flower shop thing? Because it's very cute and adorable. Okay, you can you, you can talk about that. But before I have to, to talk about the first time that they have sex. So probably the chapter that I read maybe 20 times, maybe 30 times, I don't remember, is chapter 16, mm-hmm. where uh, they go. Yeah, they, they go to the ballet. Hmm? Is it the ballet? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, no, they go to the opera because that's when they see Blaze. Mm, the opera. Okay. <laughs> anyway. anyway um, so the first time that they had dinner, they didn't go to any show. Anyway, they went matter. to the ballet. Yeah. No, the second time they went to the ballet, but it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Okay. okay. Um, so somehow she, they get to her house and they have sex for the first time. But I don't know how she does it or how Heiju does it but it is so much sexual tension there after all these chapters and she really works up to this moment and the the whole scene is so beautifully written and so charged and so intense mm-hmm. it's it's really really amazing and um I think the, one of the moments that is one of my favorite moments in the book in the book is that he takes his time. So she, he, I think he has, he just holds her, you know, the side of her face and then he doesn't kiss her right away, actually. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. He, first he, he touches her hair um, because he, he'd been wanting to do that for a very, very long time, you know, and so he rolls a, a curl around his finger and then he, I quote, reluctantly lets it go and then he he kisses her and after he just you know it's just a peck somehow and he says Hermione for the first time Mm -hmm. and that's both 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 a question and a statement Mm -hmm. and the leave breaks and then it's you know like a frantic kissing and undressing and so on Um, then um, there's the thing about his mark you know his dark mark uh, at some point, mm-hmm. he interrupts everything abruptly, and he's like, "Oh, no! I, you know, if he doesn't 
want to take his shirt off and so yeah. on. And he, he thinks that she's actually gonna, you know, tell him to leave. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't happen. And again, she's very, very understanding. Um, and she's, she's okay with that. So she knows that it was there, but she, it doesn't represent, at least in her eyes, it doesn't represent him anymore. Although he's still very, very upset and very, yeah. he feels that his identity is tied to that dark mark. So mm -hmm. that's one of the things well, he, why he, for throughout the book, he doesn't feel that he deserves her. And he, he's all, he always fears that she, at some, someday she's going to wake up and realize that he's not good enough for her. <laughs> Yeah, which of course doesn't happen. Okay, so and then so they have sex uh, during the um, in that on that night. Um, he sleeps yeah, and, she, and while what she, happens the next day is also incredibly erotic. It's it's so 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 beautiful. So I'm not going to go into that. The, no, I wanted to say because on that night something happens that you love so much when she says his name as she's coming and she says it as Draco and he is so so hit by that and he even says Diana probably has a quote I do I do like, can I read it yeah, yeah so, so on, she says uh, again for the first time or the second time because anyway she says Draco so in, in a you know in a throes of fashion and I quote Come Monday, so in his, Draco's head, come Monday, Draco was going to file a petition to some office at the ministry or perhaps take out an ad in every single newspaper asserting that no one else in this galaxy was ever allowed to use his given name ever again. The way Hermione drew out the vowels as she moaned Draco was the only pronunciation he would accept from now on and only from her uh, perfect mouth. Everyone else could address him as Malfoy or that blonde idiot <laughs> your honesty whatever they wanted because nothing else mattered anymore but Hermione crying out his name in pleasure it was very important to me that you get to talk about this very important thank you, thank you. yeah yeah you. absolutely yes so um and the other thing because I want to tie it in with the with the um, night with the flowers because that's when they have sex a very different way is She's very shocked by how much he asks for permission and he's so gentle and she loves it and it's wonderful. And it's like so hot and the next day it's so hot again. Um, and then of course she leaves for Venice and then that throws him off her loop. We'll talk about that separately. It's how much he asks for permission and he's so gentle and he's so caring and he's so like almost like restrained in a way. Yeah. So then we move on and I just kind of want to tie into that. There's a night where him and Theo get super drunk and get together for boys night and Hermione has a girls night with Ginny and then him and Theo talk about how much he loves Hermione and Theo loves Sasha and they decide in their drunken mind that they're going to go to a flower shop because Draco realizes he never got his girl flowers so what do they do when they're drunk and you have so much money like those two morons they buy the whole flower shop and they go Theo goes to Sasha and Draco goes. He kind of forgets that him and G, like her and Ginny have a girl's night. So he shows up on her doorstep. And I remember him, I don't have the quote, but it's like something like, Draco was the most considerate of boyfriends. Ah, yes. When Hermione was going to see him, she was basically like, oh, Draco, you're so wonderful. And just give herself to him because he brought her these flowers. And of course he opens the door and he's like, hello ranger <laughs> she's like what are you doing here <laughs> and he goes i have brought you flowers so 
So, so yeah, I brought you flowers and something like that, and you can you can uh, take your clothes off or something like that, right? So he's so so confident that she's gonna she's be gonna so be impressed that yes. she won't be able to resist him. And it's not that he brings her a flower; he brings her the whole shop. He purchases the whole shop, so he keeps taking these flowers off of his like jacket because, of course, they can like make them smaller. And he's like, "If you want to thank me, you know, you can take your clothes off." And that's when Ginny's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Ginny's like laughing in the background. So, as Hermione's dealing with all this stuff, Ginny tells him, "You know, my favorite are tulips. I'm gonna take them." Blah blah blah. And then he real—that's when he realizes he may be fucked up. So he kind of feels guilty a little bit. And then, oh, then my favorite scene happens. Um, so Hermione, of course, is very upset with him. And she's like, you can't intervene in my time with my friends. We've talked about this. And that's when he says to her, will you deny me dessert, Hermione? And the way we get to that, young children, is if you have children in the room, maybe tell them to leave. So he's obviously realizes he made a mistake. And he, um, he's like, are you upset with me? And I'm sure Diana has a quote ready, but maybe I'll just remember it from memory if she doesn't have it right in front of her. And um, he's like, are you upset with me? And she's like, well, maybe a little bit, you know? And he's like, do you know what's the one thing when I was growing up that was never denied to me? Even when I was being a bad boy, my parents took away my toys, my broom, but I was never denied dessert. Will you deny me dessert, Hermione? And let me tell you, I combusted. Like I, I was like, this is it. This is the epitome of sexy right here. And then they have, I think, some of the best sex that they've ever had because he's his insub, his inhibitions are a little bit lowered due to the fact that he's maybe a little drunk so he's not so stuck into asking for permission and making sure a hundred times that she's okay he's a little bit assertive so he kind of takes the lead and i and i think that's one of the best sex scenes continue okay. diana quote quote yes so the thing is he what he does he he just makes himself a little bit more comfortable after he's sure that she's not gonna dump him <laughs> or finish yeah. the relationship because she interrupted he interrupted their night um, her girl's night and um I don't know he I don't know he loosens his thigh thigh mm -hmm. uh, he does something and then he notices that Hermione is very turned on by by yeah. his simple gestures and she flees to the kitchen because she knows that she needs to be a little bit upset with him to teach him a lesson anyway and he, he notices that he goes there um and uh, he's with she's facing the the windows and, and he, he comes from the back and she says um he asks, okay am i correct in assuming you've charmed your window so that no one can see inside yes and she's perfect clever girl and oh. he says open your eyes hermione he ordered and she obeyed instantly, confronted with the sight of Draco's hand cupping her breast while he stared into her eyes. You're going to keep your eyes open for me. I want you to watch yourself when I make you come with just my fingers. He promised huskily and Hermione bit back a longing moan as desire raged through her. Gods, this man could turn her into a pliant shredding during miss with his voice alone. He'd never been this vocal in the bedroom and certainly never this explicit, but it seemed the alcohol lowered his inhibitions enough to loosen his tongue. And he said, um, it's my favorite sight in the world watching you come. Mm -hmm. And he calls her good girl. Yes, he does. And that is maybe when some of us 
i.e. me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's again another beautiful, beautiful uh, part of the book. Uh, then um, they go to, to France to Paris he takes her on a vacation and the reason that happens after he has this nightmare and he cries in his arms yeah and he said sorry I want to go to somewhere where nobody knows who we are and Mm -hmm. nobody thinks has uh you know their right to say anything how I lead my life and who I'm with yep because at this point, everyone kind of started learning about the relationship and, and really no one's on board. Like Molly and Arthur are kind of against it. Ron is against it. His mother's obviously against it. So they're kind of like, it's when the whole project comes out yeah. and she finds out that he did this for her and everything else. And you said earlier that when she finds out it's a critical moment because when when she was going to go over for her to tell her Narcissa comes home unexpectedly, and Hermione kind of gets scared and, and like flees. Um, and in the same night that Narcissa finds out about them, Ron finds out. Then very shortly, Arthur and and Molly do because Ron tells them and the whole family. And it's a very tough time for them. So he is like, can we just go where it's just the two of us? Mm-hmm. Um, and they go. Yeah. They decide they to go have, to Paris for a week. Exactly. They have a, and they have a wonderful vacation. They have a lot of sex and they visit Muggle um, Paris and visiting Paris, and it's really really nice. She has a, she buys some sexy lingerie. Uh, yes, it's it, uh, it's very very nice. And on one of the last days, she the, uh, she wants to go to this place in the mountains where there's fairies. Uh-huh. and they go there and this is again a very important part in the book or a very important passage because she because there is there is these rogue dementors who have been let go from Azkaban mm-hmm. and they are attacked by those dementors and Hermione you know does a patronum her otter but it's not enough to uh, to send the Dementors away, and Draco has never conjured a Patronus before. Yes, so yes. she's limp in, in his arms, and he doesn't know what to do. Of course, all those uh, horrible thoughts come to his mind because that's what Dementors, um, the, the, the Dementors effect um, on people. Yeah. And at some point, he has this vision of him marrying her. So, of, um, you know, being in front of the altar, or whatever it's called in the wizarding world, and um, she's saying yes to to him. And that's how he... And that's... So, basically, he doesn't use a memory. He uses a vision to yeah. to have this, you know, this unbridled joy in order to be able to conjure his first Patronus ever. And, of course, it's a dragon. So, to me... Uh, I know that in other fanfics he's has a swan or an otter or mm-hmm. whatever, but the, but I think he sh- needs she should have a dragon because his name means Draco yeah. dragon. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. So he managed to uh, manages to get rid of all the dementors with his very very powerful dragon Patronus um, and a Ukrainian iron belly. <laughs> from Gringotts um, and he needs to carry her for I don't know three kilometers or a mile and a half to the apparition point and that is very very hard because he's very 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 tired so and she's so already he, passed out he saves her life and I think this is a very very it's a necessary thing mm-hmm. because he has still a lot of things to pay for 
somehow. And I feel that through this, he redeems himself. And um, they both get to send mangoes anyway. And I think that's... Well, I think, he re- I think he redeems himself in the eyes of everyone else but Hermione. Because for her, he's already redeemed. Huh. But this is the point that... This is the point that Ron comes around... This is the point where literally everyone comes around. I think they're like, oh my God, he saved her life. He really cares about her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I have to say the reason why they couldn't operate right away, whatever, because the fairy colony is a protected environment. So they couldn't, like they had to operate three kilometers away to walk because they were not allowed to operate in. Right. And right. Um, and that's why, and of course he doesn't think he's going to save her because as he reaches the operation point, he like passes out. So when they wake up again, they're in St. Mungo's. Um, and then Harry's there. No one will let her let him see Hermione because he's not family, right? So mm-hmm. that's the other thing. And um, he freaks out when he first sees her. Um, Harry keeps telling him she's fine, she's fine. And when he sees her, he has a panic moment, like a, a panic attack. Because and he like kind of runs. Yeah, yeah. And she's like very fragile and very weak. Um, and he kind of tries to run away, but like run away from the room, not run away from her. And Harry comes after him and he's like, do you want to take the chance of not being there when she wakes up? She will murder you, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of tells him, we accept you. It's fine. Your family come in and she wakes up and, um, you know, and they have this 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 moment together where basically she's like, OK, come and sit into bed with me. And and I think that's kind of where things really shift for them. You think? Well, not well. I think the way that they're they're gonna present their relationship to the outside world and their friends and um and everything else. Because remember, he was like when they were in the fairy colony. He's like, I never get to save you because he still has that guilt left from the manor because mm-hmm. he never saved her. So he's like, I never get to save you because he really thinks she's gonna die. And he finally gets to save her. And when she wakes up, it's a reality. So I think he's. I think he's also like, okay, maybe, just maybe, I did save her this time. And Ron, Ron, of course, is like, thank you for saving her. And like the whole family. That's when Ron comes around, I know. Um, And it's it's important that he has this conversation with Harry as well, right? So Harry was like, take your head out of your poncy ass or I don't know. Yes, Yes, he does. And, And can't you see that she loves you too? So, you know, Stan stand up to the the relationship and actually you know be there yeah. for for her the way she would want you to a hundred percent um do we want to kind of wrap up a little bit because we went way over our time uh yeah so i actually my teacher from the yoga teacher training she she asked me if everything's okay i uh, told her that i'm going to be 15 minutes late so i just wanted to talk about two more things georgie and i think of they're course. very important the one is the fact that she helps him get rid of the dark mark Mm -hmm. Uh, so she they have I don't know a chat they go to a party with Seamus Mm -hmm. um, and she um, she has um, she realizes that actually what the what Voldemort used in doing the dark mark was also something that muggles use in tattoos which was Mm -hmm. very sneaky because he knows that everyone who's you know desperate about pure blood stuff and knows nothing about muggle and muggles yeah tattoos so uh, they use muggle technology so at a regular hospital Mm -hmm. um and she gets him she gets he gets rid of of the dark mark and yeah and that is you know like he is 
he feels somehow clean again. And yes. that is when, mm-hmm. when he's able to actually ask her to marry him, I find. So I think that he waits until that procedure is done, until he actually asks her to tie herself to him. Yeah, and they don't get married until the mark is actually gone, gone. Gone, yeah. And I think this is um, this is important for two reasons, or many reasons, but two things that I wanted to mention. The first is that she tells him, I don't care that you have the mark. To me, it's not important, but I wanted to give you the choice. Mm-hmm. And the idea of the whole book shows that actually throughout his life, he didn't really have a choice. He didn't really mm-hmm. have a choice to, and when he took the dark mark, he, he never had a choice to not take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he um, he didn't um, have a choice, you know, with accepting the mission for Dumbledore. So everything that happened in his life or being, even being an heir and being expected to, to live up to these whole like, all expectations. Yeah. For his life. So he didn't have a choice. And now he gives him choices. You know, it's, it's your choice if you want to, uh, get yeah. rid of the mark. I don't care about it, but it's your choice. So that that's beautiful. And and he's. I think the quote is something like, "How glorious that feels." Yeah, you know, to actually yes. have a choice. To have a choice. And yes. the second thing why I think this is important is because he shows when the moment he shows his mom that he, he was able to get rid of her of of the mark mm-hmm. um he says you know this is it's it's all hermione's doing and this is how she makes me feel clean and clean. yeah mm-hmm. clean and very important to yeah to release the past and uh, yeah. you know see myself differently and that is the first time and i think it's in chapter 50 from 51 <laughs> where she she goes and, and hugs him and yeah. says that she's she's very proud of him and that's when yes. draco hugs her and says i love you something that probably as you never know pure bloods and with all their all their upbringing they would i think they never had these displays of affection right so physical dis- displays of affection and even verbal displays yeah. of affection so love was implied more than express yes yeah that's very true um okay i'm gonna wrap up like two minutes i think um, you need to say what happens with their marriage so that's why i kind of wanted to wrap okay, it up with um, up, okay, yeah. he proposes to her and i think such a lovely way and what i like about it is the fact that to him it's not that important but to her it is that she also has a muggle ceremony um and um on top of their regular wizarding world ceremony and he has so many issues with the fact that she won't become a Malfoy she'll be Granger Malfoy and he has issues with this and the other thing because he still doubts himself even though they've proven to each other they love each other and that's when she proposes um that they uh they soul bound Mm -hmm. and he's so taken aback about the fact that this woman wants to bind her soul to him for eternity that the other things just don't even matter it doesn't matter that she wants to be Granger Malfoy instead of Malfoy and it doesn't matter that she wants to have a muggle ceremony or whatever um but he's so he's just he's like his the love she has for him is just so limitless and and I think he finally gets it then I did want to mention the fact that another thing I like about it is the fact that, yes, when we need him, he has changed his ways, but there are still so many things that are that he changes because of her after thinking about it. So the fact that he still has the elves, 
And once he has a conversation with her, he decides to pay them and whatever. The fact that um, he there's so many things that because he's a pure blood, he was raised in a certain way, right? He doesn't think of these things. It's just how they are. And after conversations with her, he's that's when he opens his mind. Um, and he thinks about the things she says, and then he comes back and he's like, what do you think it's a fair wage for uh, elves? You know, and that's another important moment for them because she's like, don't joke with me. Like, this is something serious. And he's like, no, I thought about what you said. And I like the fact that until they get married and even after, he continues to learn from her and he continues to better himself. And that doesn't take away from the fact that he's still super pompous and he still is absolutely destroyed every time Ron eats around him. And it's like, he's, I can't believe this guy is like calling me by my name. And he still hates so many, all the things that make Draco Draco are still there, but he just changes for the better with her, even with the muggle ceremony, right? At first he doesn't care. And then when oh, they, they have, have the ceremony is a muggle ceremony yes. for his yep. for her parents and then a, yep. a wizarding ceremony. And a that's really bind their souls. And I think he even says at some point, I can't believe I, I didn't think that this was important because he realizes that he actually is very choked up during the muggle ceremony and he thinks it's beautiful. Um and and that's what I'm saying. Like he just constantly evolves and constantly becomes a better version of himself. And she does too. I mean, she thinks she learns from him as well. But mm -hmm. um, but the soul bond is just and Diana, I want to say one more thing. Diana kept reading it because she didn't want to finish it. So she had read it about 27,000 times before she reached like chapter 50. And she kept going, I just don't want to finish it. And I, I I couldn't tell her about the soul bond. And I was like, no, 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 you have to, you have to. It gets so much better. And she's like, it couldn't. I mean, honestly, it's just like the weddings. And then I remember when she finally finished reading it, she goes, oh, they did a soul. <laughs> yes, that's what I wanted to tell you. Oh, yeah. Yes, I know. Okay, Georgie, now yes. to finish. Sorry. Finish. <clears throat> so you, um, they have a two-way notebooks. So it's like wizarding messaging. <clears throat> that was the um, the first uh, Christmas gift that Draco gave to Hermione. <clears throat> two identical notebooks. Uh, and when you write something in one of the notebooks, then it appears in the other one. So for, after the first... Um, after their first wedding, um, <clears throat> Hermione tells Draco that she wrote something in the notebook, a love declaration, and that she, he should read it. And she said, no, read, please, you read it to me. And it goes like this. <clears throat> you love me every time you let me comfort you and every time you choose to confide in me. I, you love me every time you look at me. Um, she met his gaze then and Hermione finally lost the battle with her tears but the surrender felt right felt natural draco's thumbs wiped them away in an instant and hermione no longer needed to read her next lines from the notebook she had the rest memorized you look at me with purpose she whispered and his hands fell away from her her face there are no there are more dimensions to you than you know dimensions and layers that you have trusted me to accept and protect i promise to guard what you've given me with the utmost care because it is the most precious thing in my possession. <clears throat> it is my absolute privilege to discover each and every side of you, Draco. I love you. He released a stuttering breath, breath. I love you. And then after the second wedding, it is he who writes in their notebook, a love declaration, and it goes like this. Hermione, I have always been committed to you. I had no need 
of vows or spells to tell me what I already knew. I think it I was yours from the second you fed me that scone in public. <laughs> Thank you for seeing me, really seeing me as I am, not for who, uh, not who others wanted to, uh, me to be, uh, nor who they feared me to be, but for who I truly am, and who that is. Dot dot dot. He posed. He paused to swallow the lump in his throat, or who that was was a man who thought himself no longer needed in this world, but you made me want to try to carve out a place for myself that I earned through my own contributions, with my own deeds, with my own name. And I think that, I think that I've almost succeeded in becoming a good man. Mm. What a lovely way to finish. I know, right? And then uh, one last thing, just so we can finish um, on a strong note, we covered a lot of things, but we missed so many things. So you have to go read it. The loveliest thing is an, in, an undetermined point in the future. Um, he wakes up in the morning and he goes to get coffee and scones for him and Hermione. And he that's when you find out that the name of the cafe that they've been going at and they met. And, and sorry, before you say, and where he actually proposed. So he proposed. And where he actually proposed. On yeah. January 1st during the night or the New Year's night. And he takes her, you know, to the muggle in front of the muggle cafe. And he, um, he kneels and then she kneels as well because she yes, has, they're you know, equals. They're oh. equals. That's beautiful. And now oh. you can, you can say what you wanted to say. And then as he goes <laughs> to get... <laughs> I'm so sad we're finishing this. And as he goes to get coffee and scones for Hermione because she's waiting for him in bed because they just made a huge decision about their future. And he says then that the name of the coffee is Diana. I don't know, Georgie, you tell me. What? I, I know, but you say it. Okay, okay. A fresh start cafe. Ah! Guys. We dissolved into puddles when we read this. I'm pretty sure I screamed so loud that Diana in Canada heard it from New York. Amazing. It's a little on the nose, but it is cute enough that we ate it up. We love this book so much. We've talked about it. We I don't even think we covered 50% of what happened. Believe us when we say it is fantastic. I know some people say it's like a fluffy fic. I don't believe so. No, I no, believe no, that it's it not. is grown up. It touches on exactly. so many issues, a depression, uh, suicidal thoughts, you know, so many other things, alcoholism, whatever you want to read the tags, but it is so wonderful and grown up and it makes me feel good every time I read it and we will talk about it until the end of time. <laughs> mm -hmm, indeed. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you very much for sticking to the end. And if you haven't read it, please do. Please read it. I promise you're not going to be disappointed. And if you've read it, that doesn't mean that you can't read it again and again yes, and, and again, again, and again. again. And again, and then sometimes uh, have the quotes and just read the quotes. Um, and we want to say one last thing. Thank you so much, Hey Jude 19. We love your writing. You are the best. We talk about you as if you're our friend sometimes. <laughs> and we thank you for writing Diana's favorite book and mine um, and making us very, very happy. You are wonderful. Correct. Yes. Okay, everyone. I we'll hear you next time. All right. All right, Bye. next time. Yes, yes. Uh, we have no idea what we're going to talk about next time, but I'm sure we're going to come up with, we, we read some wonderful ones, actually.
we have. have. Maybe we'll talk about remaining list part two. Who knows? We'll see. We'll decide. <laughs> well, I can't because I only yeah. read, I think, 2% of the quotes that I have here. Yeah. So thank you very much. <laughs> Next episode is Diana reading. Next episode is Diana reading all of the quotes and me going, Diana, we have no more time for more quotes. And she'll say, one more, one more. This is very important. Yeah, exactly. It is very yeah. important. Okay. Goodbye, all right. Bye-bye, Georgie. Bye-bye, bye-bye. I have to go to the teacher training. Bye-bye, bye. -bye, bye.